Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kyle Fincham. This is Behind the Movement. And my conversation today is with Roya Carreras, um, which I'm very excited to share with you. Um, I'll get my announcements out of the way and then we'll, we'll move right into it. I'll be in uh, Europe for the next uh, bit of time here, doing some infinite play workshops and, and connecting with new and old friends. Um, so if you're in the area, I'd love to see you. I'll be doing uh, an event on September 4th in Lisbon with uh, support from the, the crew at Movement Lisboa. Um, so if you're anywhere near Portugal, I'd love to see you there. Um, if you want to sign up, all the information is at my website, kylefincham.com. Then on October 2nd and 3rd, uh, I'll be doing a two-day workshop in Barcelona. Um, this event's being hosted by Tom Wexler of Movement Archery. And... Again, if you want to sign up, you can go to kylefincham.com or you can just go over to movementarchery.com and go to their events page and the information is there. Um, we'll have some more events coming up uh, in the fall, uh, so just keep an eye out for that. Um, I think uh, we'll do one or one or two more maybe in Europe, but then uh, I think we'll kind of continue into the into the US when we return. So yeah, uh, looking forward to it. And uh, if you're around, I would love to see you. Um, yeah, that's it. Let's get to the podcast. Quick and easy. I, uh, I got to connect with Roya Carreras um, just a few weeks ago um, in Miami. I, I was facilitating uh, an infinite play event and she was there and uh, we became fast friends. We had some nice conversations there um, and I was like, oh man, I, 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 you've got to be on the podcast. We've got to chat some more. So, uh, you know, we scheduled something very quickly and yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan Um she uh she's based in New York right now and uh you know she's got a, a really rich background in in movement and dance and is very uh thoughtful and wise about uh all things uh performance art and education um yeah She's, uh, if you don't know, if you don't know Roya, she is an Iranian Hispanic artist, choreographer, and educator who works within commercial film and theatrical settings <clears throat> from New York City, excuse me, <clears throat> from New York City to Los Angeles. Um, in terms of professional performance, she is, you know, has a, a, an incredible resume. Um, she also is a, a teacher, um, currently at Perry Dance in New York City. Um, in her class, you can expect a, a blending of studies that aim to reprogram physical patterning while questioning movement lineage. 
Her class is a space to explore, explore, play, and discuss. Yeah, I've, uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of Roya's. Um, she also uh, shared in our, our conversation that she is teaching um, classes at, at Perry Dance that are available to, um, to anyone to sign up for, I believe. So if you're in the New York area, I highly recommend uh, finding, your way, finding your way over there to take, uh, to take one of Roya's classes or as many of them as possible. Um, yeah, let's not waste any time. We've waited long enough. Here's my conversation with Roya Carreras. That's one of my favorites, braiding sweetgrass. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So good. I bring yes. it up constantly. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. I have, I have some really good books here. Poetics of Space is one of my favorite books that I've recently read. I've it's read phenomenal. it. So oh. good. If, oh. you, if you like Poetics of Space, you should read um, books by this guy, Johanny Palasma. Okay. And he wrote this book called The Eyes of the Hands. The Eyes of the Hand? The Eyes of the Hand, which is like kind of like an, it's like a continuation of like what they were, what he was talking about in Poetics of Space. Like, you know, it's like the phenomenology of like architecture. Yeah, yeah. And he talks a lot about how we've become like highly like visual Mm -hmm. when we used to be more like auditory dominant right mm-hmm. and talking mm-hmm. about like when we're becoming like highly visual like what it's done to architecture when like everything is like playing to the eyes that's very interesting but i think it applies yeah. to so many things right it does absolutely it really does like i mean i feel like i could we could easily apply it to like dance and movement and stuff yeah oh communication in general anything that like shares or communicates Mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah he talks about kind of like the idea that all of our other senses are very intimate senses like mm-hmm. even like auditory it's funny because like if people listen to this they'll never be able to tell but like in some way both you and I are kind of like leaning in because it's mm-hmm. because we're talking right so it's almost like mm-hmm. we're trying to like be like closer to one another to like hear each other yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. but visual is like it's very distant right we use mm-hmm. the eyes to like kind of stay away from things Mm-hmm. Whereas like Absolutely. everything else to touch something, we have to be like right there with it to like hear something we want to kind of like lean in and like be closer mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. um, to taste something. Right. Mm-hmm. And the more we kind of lean into like the visual sense, the more it's like things keep getting kind of further away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because as you're saying that, um, I always, have an off-putting sense when people speak too loudly to me Mm. because it forces me to back away and it's been like something that I struggle with in my communication because Mm. if people are like uh, loud or their tone is aggressive my body I mean I not only do I tone like tune out but my whole body shifts so far away And I think about this a lot when I teach, actually, like, how is my voice? How is my tone? Hmm. Am I wanting them to like, listen closely? Or am I wanting them to uh, back away or feel jarred or feel 
uh, imposed upon. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That just like sparked a lot of images for me when I was younger and training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that like, I mean, you and I talked about this when we saw each other in Miami, but like the things that like, maybe we, we should be like reflecting on as teachers mm -hmm. that maybe we're not, or like the mm -hmm. things that we are reflecting on now, you know, especially like mm -hmm. the type of conversations you and I have had versus like maybe our experiences in different mm -hmm. other places where you're like, oh, like, I wonder what that would have looked like if they had maybe reflected on like what, what mm -hmm. some of these things mean, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think about how many teachers I've, I've had and how many of them I actually felt loved what they did. Mm -hmm. you know like or or I don't know I had a lot of I, had, I feel like I had a lot of teachers or trainers that were still very much wanting to be the performer mm -hmm. so even their gaze is very different like I, I would go through a whole class and maybe never be seen and I would just see my teacher looking at themselves in the mirror mm -hmm. as they were teaching the entire time very mm -hmm. interesting you get a lot of that in the performing arts like ballet world um yeah yeah it's it's i think it's difficult <laughs> in the performing arts to come across yeah. people who are selfless right <laughs> yeah and well, i and yeah I, I mean yeah i think that's an institutional problem mm -hmm. honestly because i think there's such a lack of support for performing artists that a lot of performing artists go into education as a means to an end not out of passion for mm -hmm. teaching mm -hmm. so it's difficult, you know, and it becomes this like cyclical pattern of, of uh, teachers who are trying to perform, not teaching students with a lot of care, you know, mm -hmm. and it does, it, I don't know, it, it holds, it doesn't do a lot to destigmatize the culture in the dance world. It just perpetuates it, I think, a bit. But. Right. It's like, there's like, there, there's not quite this like separation that we might normally, maybe it wouldn't normally exist. I don't know. But the idea that like, you know, so much of like what's happening in like the performing arts. And when I just think about being in theater, like, and what I think about sharing and movement and I don't know. Sometimes I'm even like, I don't even know what I would, if I would call what I do movement at this point, but like mm -hmm. the things that like, you know, are, are, are worth sharing. It's like the mm -hmm. things they're not, they would have just been wisdom in the past. I think, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. it would have just been handed down. I don't know if you and I talked about this before, but like, I think it a little just, bit, we grazed it a bit. Yeah. And I think it would have just been like handed down. And then it's mm -hmm. almost like mm -hmm. now we're like kind of like it would have been for everybody. And then it's like, mm -hmm. we're turning it into something that's like being codified and paid for. And then someone ah. coming in with like, you know, their interest kind of in another place. But as you said, this is kind of like their means to keep that other thing going. Yeah. And not treating yeah. it with kind of like, uh, I don't know, like the, the sacredness of being like, oh, like this is like, this is just wisdom that would have at another time in history might've just like happened in the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think especially in the U S it's very product driven mm -hmm. and you see that within the educational system 
as well, like dance education. It's just product, product, product. What thing are we making to show? Mm-hmm. You know? And I've been, I've taught at so many different institutions and it's really interesting um, to see even as an educator. I mean, some of my most quote unquote successful classes, it all depends on how we rate success. But for me, some of my most successful classes, I've actually um, been brought into the office by my board saying, hmm, I don't know if I would pay to see that. Hmm. When... I would be flooded with emails from students saying, I gained so much from this. Thank you. This helped me in this audition. This helped me with creating my work. This helped me, you know, the list goes on and on. But within the institution, it was just looked at as worthless. So like, what kind of class would that look like? Um, this class particular was an improvisational class, but it was an improvisational class within a uh, I don't want to call out the school, but it was within a musical theater dance uh, collegiate program. Mm-hmm. And um, I had decided to, you know, we, you always have to um, have like your mid-year testing and your end of the year testing, or you show your performances, accumulation of what you've done within the class, mm-hmm. right? And I thought it would be appropriate for an improvisational class to actually have an improvisational score performed by the kids, you know? It was a pretty tight score, actually, um, I thought, but it was improvisation nonetheless, it was not set. Mm-hmm. And I remember being so incredibly proud of the kids. And I remember the director actually saying in front of all the kids, what is this? Like a really older guy what is it? I wouldn't pay to see this. And I remember the kids' faces being like, oh my goodness. And then I remember getting emails from teachers saying, oh, oh yeah, I loved all of the stuff you showed. Are you hiring? Do you choreograph? <laughs> it's just like so strange to see like ahead of this institution's perception of the work uh, in comparison to the kids and in comparison to other faculty members. It's just so interesting to mm-hmm. see how people rate what, the importance mm-hmm. of what, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, you know, in that sense, you know, this this head director was just interested in how clean was the piece? Mm-hmm. How showy was it? How was it sellable? Could this go on stage tomorrow? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was interested in these are how these kids learned in one semester how to improvise within a score. And these are the decisions that they made, you know, so, and why they made these decisions. You know, we had a conversation about it after. And so just, it's just interesting. I don't know how we got to this part, but we yeah. tend to do this. I love yeah. it. We go like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. No, but you're, I don't know. You're talking about something that I just find so interesting because it's also just like, well, well, like, what is the intention of education? You know, like, is the intention of education to like, you know, again, it's like we live in a place where like we define success as like money. How much money do you make? You know, whereas like, I don't know, we could define success in so many different ways. And oftentimes I think like the people who I look at and I'm like, they're successful. It's like, they have this like really beautiful way of like 
playing with life and dancing with life. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes it equates to like financial success. Yeah. Hopefully. And sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of times it doesn't. <laughs> right. But you yeah. know, like I always, you know, I bring it up on here constantly because I think it's amazing, but I always bring up someone like a Bill Murray and like yeah. the man like dances with life and it happened to work out financially, yeah. but I think there's a lot of other Bill Murray's out there. And like, to me, that's success. Like that ability yeah. to just be like, Oh, like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to dance with life and like, and, and, yeah. and ride it a little bit rather than trying to like force it. And I think it's then being like, well, like what's worth learning, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I define success as Oh, yeah, that's a hard question. I don't even know why I set myself up for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you had me, you had me on the edge of my seat though. I was like, <gasps> well, I guess for me, it, it's, peace, <laughs> like finding a peace in, in your daily life and, and being able to commit your life to questioning, loving and seeking mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and like being able to do that mm -hmm. daily to me is a dream you know mm -hmm. um i don't know i find so many successful people incredibly unhappy i mean we, we all know that but right right by that by that by that kind of like american measure yeah absolutely mm -hmm. like yeah surprising yeah that's the, the the way you were kind of describing that though like you know you know, curiosity and things like that. You're like, yeah. to me, that's kind of being like, well, the measure success then is maybe something that looks a little more like not, not trying to be in control, you know, like that it's Absolutely. like a little more of like, oh, like I know I'm not going to be in control. So yeah. what, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, and that's why I think improvisation is so I don't know. I was about to say so fucking important. And then I feel it, like I had to it, say it because no, I, but I really do. I really believe you know, it is. It really is. It's, it's one of the most important practices in my life. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because for me, it, 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 it doesn't only just happen in the body. I think mm -hmm. it just, the body is just one part, you know, mm -hmm. of that exploration because mm -hmm. first it comes in the imagination, I think. Like mm -hmm. first it's like imaginary work. That's how I start, always start my improvisation. You know, like even just like letting my mind imagine, like mm -hmm. how, what are the limits of that, you know? And then it's like, it, it, just so many things, like do it with your breathing, I do it with like my meditation, I do it with writing, you know? And I do it with the body. I mean, the body is definitely one of my favorite ways of doing it, but I feel like it's supported by all the other ways in which I improvise. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't stand alone. It, it, mm -hmm. It's such an internal work that is so infinite. It's mm -hmm. really interesting, you know? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, sometimes just putting pen to paper and just writing for a duration of like 20 minutes can be one of the most mind blowing, unlocking things you can do. Mm -hmm. You know? And then doing that with sound and then doing that with body. You know, it's just like, I don't know, one informs the other. They all inform each other, I think. Right. Nothing's in so isolation. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about this, you know, you and I, like, 
the playfulness and the curiosity. Um, and that is just such a practice, you know, we're not taught to do that. We're actually taught to suppress that in order actually, I think, to like fit into these boxes of success. It's like we have to, we have to uh, almost stuff those parts of ourselves away to like buy into a system, I think, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, you know, get that job and like make that money and have that family, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like where's the time for curiosity and play and all of that. It's just mm -hmm. not spoke, it's not talked about, it's not culturally um, emphasized. Well, and, and then, and then, and then that, unfortunately, like when you look out the window or when you're outside, hopefully hmm. life is actually happening in that more playful, improvised way. Yeah. So like, you know, to me, like when I think of everything kind of being, I don't know, planned or choreographed or hmm. whatever, that's the same as like, I don't know, like a mowed lawn. It's like, it's always yeah. like trying to like control it, you know, like, like, yeah. like I Oof. know better rather than being like, oh, but I have this like innate ability in me to like, to dance with things. Yeah. My, my jaw just like locked as you were talking about this mode lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ow. Mm -hmm. I just want to like unlock my jaw. My body gets so tight and tense. Mm-hmm. But you, because that, but that's like us forcing like you like you know it's oh. like it's awful it's an awful feeling and it's so unrealistic mm -hmm. i think what's so crazy is actually incredibly unrealistic to live that way yeah or to find happiness or peace in that in that mode mm -hmm. it's like such a dangerous default mm -hmm. because if we're not willing to collaborate with things everything like if you and i can't collaborate right now in this moment if i don't know if 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 when i walk outside i can't collaborate with like whatever that environment's offering me or like when you know we go to a workshop together if we're not all willing to collaborate then it becomes like something of some level of control is happening Absolutely. that means that like there's some amount of like trying to like win something and like mm -hmm. like that's that's not that's not really what i think I see when I look at like the natural world it's not like no. a defeating thing it's not a winning thing it's like it's this controlled accident idea where like there's a little bit of like I'm bringing something but then like inevitably there's another variable that like I have to like dance with mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'm digesting what you're I'm with saying. You. Um, yeah, it's funny because I think this. I'm just. I'm. I'm just thinking that by not flowing, you actually are resisting, because everything is moving, <laughs> because everything is a collaboration, because everything is um, happening things are happening even in the stillness there's a happening right mm. there's there's like time is moving like things are happening mm. and if you're not flowing you are resisting mm -hmm. you know um 
Yeah. And I think that's why that's part of like, that's part of like how we've evolved, right? Like we have these like uber complex nervous systems to, to, to allow us to kind of like dance with the world. Yeah. Right. That's like, yes. But, but it's so interesting how we like as a culture over flood it in a way to silence it all. It's Mm -hmm. very strange. It's like, I'm always so curious how people, you know, there's a certain type of person who can like listen to watch the TV and be on their phone and have a conversation and have music playing in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how? How can one being be around so much sensory igniting things at the same time? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, have we actually like devolved into that by oversaturating everything that we're, we're taking in? Yeah. And it's like, when we start peeling away all of that, then what? Then where is our actual nervous system lie? Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting. I mean, I, I say it f- frequently that I'm like, I think we're like overstimulated and understimulated simultaneously. <laughs> yes. It's so true. Well, because we've been like deafened and like, mm-hmm. it's so much that it's just somehow like turned us off mm-hmm. to actually feeling and receiving to feeling and receiving it's like too much that you cannot sense anything yeah it's like we've like we've like cranked up like certain knobs so high that we like we we lack the ability to observe right absolutely you know because to me like observing kind of like walks that line of like conscious and unconscious like simultaneously And like when everything is so like loud visually and often loud, like, you know, in an auditory way, like everything else is like, almost like quieted because there's just so much that's almost like, I don't know. I used to, I used to eat a lot and watch TV at the same time. Uh uh It was like a, probably something in my childhood. And then I would like carried it in like adult and I would like the two went together. Yeah. And then I stopped. I stopped watching TV and eating at the same time. And then when I ate, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so delicious. <laughs> totally. Right? Cause like, it was almost like I, I finally got to like taste because like I wasn't getting like sensory overload. Yeah. You know, like we, you, we can only handle so much information at once, at least from like that, that, that conscious place where we can kind of like turn our attention in places. Absolutely. And you can, I mean, like you said, you actually can enjoy more, Mm -hmm. so much more Mm -hmm. because you're paying attention to one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. one conversation at a time, one taste at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, one visual at a time and you get to absorb all of it. And it's so satisfying. It's so tasty, all of it. But -hmm. if you're like, it's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. shutting down now <laughs> well, again, brain like, is shutting down now and this is what I think is so beautiful and this is why like I don't know it excites me that you that you I don't even want to say teach I would say facilitate improvisation mm-hmm. um, 
because I do think it's like ambitious to say that we, that people can teach improvisation. Yeah. yeah I, I really have a hard time with that word. Yeah. Because like, I think improvisation plays to that, uh, that, that opportunity to observe. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. sometimes it's a little conscious, but a lot of the time it's just being like, Oh, like, like, what is it? If I let my intelligence just kind of like be an observer, like what, mm. what happens? Yeah. It's funny. I like to think of, I, I just got this image and I've had this image before, but I like to think of myself as a person who like makes keys. Say it again. Like, like a key maker. Uh-huh. Like there's so many things to unlock and each mm-hmm. person has a different window, has a different door. We all have a different, different thing to unlock or to open. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of the study and facilitating is like being a person who makes and maybe delivers keys. Mm-hmm. Some keys may work for some, some don't, but it's like, let's try this one. Mm-hmm. Does this key unlock this? You know, and I, I, I like that idea that it's like, I carry a bunch of keys with me and I'm constantly wanting to find more doors and more keys. Mm-hmm. That's what I think about with facilitating improvisation, I think. Right. in kind of like giving people opportunity to like try different keys find keys sometimes sometimes make their own keys yeah and be like hey look at this key that i found oh yeah okay tell me more about that like Mm -hmm. how how'd you find that where'd that come from you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think it's just like you know again like when we talk about like what are the things worth teaching like why this matters to me so much is just like you know, it's not, I, 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 you know, the medium is the message, you know? So like, yeah. like it's not isolated to that one thing. So it's just like maybe improvisation and dance or improvisation and mu- movement or improvisation and music is like, it's just like a vehicle to potentially share like a bigger message of like how to be, like yeah. how to like be with people, how to be with an environment yeah like be with ourselves yeah yeah and like and to be in that process with community is so powerful yeah it's so hard (laughs) I think it can be it can be hard because it's not a practice we're used to doing together Mm -hmm. um But I think creating that environment where we witness one another, where we share our own in investigations, where we can observe others in how they're investigating themselves mm-hmm. and like have conversation about that is so incredibly powerful. And inspiring. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much to learn from every single person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's, you know, also really exciting about improvisation. It's like the dialogue that occurs after each investigation. You know, there's just mm-hmm. so much to learn from one another. And I think providing spaces 
where we all come wanting to learn from one another for me really exciting you know Mm -hmm. yeah and as and as you said like again like reflecting on teaching like there's a lot of places that like where it's almost like i'll tell you i'll tell you what it is yeah not realizing like, I don't know, there could be 30 people in this room and everybody has some like crazy information, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. Absolutely. Right. It's like, I mean, yeah. I watched it even in like, cause you were at my workshop in Miami yeah, but, like watching yeah. someone like you move with somebody who's like, comes from like a CrossFit background. Yeah. And it's like, both people are learning so much from one another so in much. that moment, just from having like an opportunity to communicate. And then, so and then to take it even more macro then to be like communicating in a grass field in Miami when it's 90 yeah. degrees and being like, oh, <laughs> look at all this that we get to like learn from one another by just yeah. having opportunities to like communicate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much to learn with each body, with each person that you meet. Yeah. You know, it's like a plethora of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And and like also like giving yourself the opportunity to be open to each person and to share with each person differently it's not only like what you're taking in it's what what you're giving it changes with each person each experience each conversation with with another person is is, it is different it's innately different you know Mm -hmm. even if you're saying similar things it's, it's a different experience um yeah. I just realized as you were saying this that I like certain way certain types of education prepare you for financial success and like I'm not anti that. Obviously that's like going to do a lot oh, for us. Totally. But I think what we are talking about to me is like the potential for like to learn how to be like a citizen. Mm-hmm. Right? And like to like mm-hmm. be a citizen of all things. Mm -hmm. right to like be a citizen in our own bodies to like be a citizen with like other people and to like be a citizen with like the environments that we like you know collaborate with and inhabit yeah yeah and like we don't we don't give enough attention to like what it means to like be a citizen I think you know I think they like said a citizen in like you know in the big way yeah I mean like (laughs) I think we re- a lot of us sell ourselves so short in the human experience category. Mm-hmm. Like how much can we experience in our body, our body as a vehicle to take us through this life? You know, there's so much more to offer than all of these exterior things. We have, again, an infinite amount of internal landscapes to be discovered that's also ours, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, it's, it's incredibly empowering to dive into yourself. Mm-hmm. and to explore your body explore your imagination and then explore how you use all of that in the world with others mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like the the human experience can be so much more rich than do this do that wake up in the morning go to this job read this book i mean yes those things are great but what else is there you know, there's so much more. There's mm-hmm. so much more to experience in this body. Um, and I really am discovering that 
so many people want more. Like so many people want more. They mm-hmm. want to find a freedom within their body. They, they want to find this place where they don't take themselves so seriously. They want to find safe places to play and to be curious and to ask questions. But it's almost like from my conversations with people, it's like as if they haven't found the space where it's allowed. Mm. Right. They almost don't feel like they're allowed to. And then they don't have the tools to do it, you know? even though they want it, mm-hmm. even though they're so curious, they're like many people seeking that, you know? And yeah. I think that's why these type of um, communities and these types of movement research classes, I think are so important because it offers a space where people, where it's okay to be silly and we're doing it together, you know? Mm-hmm. It's okay to, and I don't even like the word silly, but you know, to play but even sometimes yeah to be silly and to sometimes be extremely serious to be whatever the hell you want to be right right you know? yeah sometimes i think and i'll tell you where this thought came from today um yeah. but there are certain performers that i think i'm like well what is that magic what is that thing that like draws so many people like i'm i think of like a robin mm-hmm. williams you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's almost like certain performers are willing to go to the furthest end of the spectrum mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going all the way here. Yeah. You have so you have permission now to either yeah. come there or land anywhere else that you want to be because I'm showing you that like I'll go to like the ultimate of vulnerability. So you have the freedom to go wherever you want to go. Totally. Which I think is so beautiful. And I was like, so yesterday on Netflix, I found um there's a two-part Garth Brooks special. And I don't know if okay. you ever listened to Garth Brooks. I mean, I know Garth Brooks. Yeah. yeah. So but. in the nineties, like I had like two Garth Brooks albums and somehow I like loved Garth Brooks as a kid. And, you know, he was talking about things that like I couldn't relate to, but I was like, there was something about like whatever mm-hmm. it was that I like loved. And then yeah. fast forward, I've like never paid attention. Probably also just like subscribed to like a bunch of like teenage boys you know, like in like the late nineties who were like, oh, country's terrible. Yeah. And then yeah, like yeah. moved on. Yeah. And I always like, you know, <laughs> every once in a while, I like listen to a little bit of Garth Brooks, but then I watched this, this documentary and the man is like amazing. He's amazing. And like, it's probably like a three hour, two part documentary. And he's constantly crying constantly like every story he's telling he's like crying about this and crying about that that. and at first I'm like I'm I'm thinking I'm like god he's crying so much but then as he's like performing and you're basically like if I could like express the way he performs it's as if his arms are totally extended Mm. and he's just like presenting his chest like open arm to be like any of you could come up on stage and hug me right now that's the only way I could like describe like the way that he wants to be and like, I think that's like what comes through his music. And it's like, it's like these words I think are interesting, but it like, as people who are artists, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, you can't always talk about like the feeling that comes through like a song or poetry or, or yeah. the painting. It's just kind of like, it exists to like express the things you can't quite talk about. Mm-hmm. So like he yeah, has kind precisely. of that. Yeah. yeah. So he has that like magic where it's like, sure, he has words to his songs, but like 
the feeling that he like exudes is this like this extreme end of like vulnerability. So the man performed in Central Park in like the late nineties, maybe 2000. There were like a million people who came out to watch him perform. He's the highest selling recording artist of all time, all time, more than Michael Jackson, more than Madonna. Wow, I did not know this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm about to listen to Garth Brooks. <laughs> you, ha- you have to. I don't know. I know so as he's I telling his, as he's telling his stories and he's crying left and right and everything, I'm realizing like what he is doing, and he doesn't know it. He doesn't know what his. He doesn't really know what his magic is. But I'm like, part of it at least is that like he's like I'm gonna go all the way there to the farthest end, yeah. and it's giving you all permission to meet me there or anywhere else that you wanna be. Because I'm the person who will get up and and cry for you or with you and you can feel whatever you wanna feel. And I'm like, that's magical. That's like on the biggest scale, creating a space where people can, can, can feel that kind of safety, I think. Absolutely, and it's courageous. It's it's magical and courageous. So that's what I see when I look at like certain performers or when I think of certain teachers who like Mm. do that thing where it's like, I'm, because people will talk about like uh, some of their favorite teachers who kind of made them feel safe. They're also Mm. like, you almost, I almost remember them and they're like, oh, they're like a little like wacky. Yeah. There's like, it was almost (laughs) like the wackiness was being like, I'm going to go there for you. Yeah. And that means you have the freedom to go wherever you want to go because I'm already on the farthest. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's important. It's important. I feel the most free when I'm teaching. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because uh, it's the place to do it. Like, here I am. This is me fully. Meet me where you are today. Mm-hmm. You may not be there today. You may be there tomorrow. You know, you may be there next week, but here I am. You know? Yeah. When you have the privilege of like getting to be that way with like a lot of younger people, which is special. Yeah. Yeah. It is actually. It's really, it's very special. I, I've been able to teach these classes from the ages of nine to sometimes I have had like 56 year olds in my class. Really? Yeah. It's been absolutely incredible to see that range of life experiencing their own bodies in real time. Yeah, it's a huge honor. Yeah. Do you ever have them both like the, like at the same time, like kind of like the the edges? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish. I think that would be absolutely incredible and informing. Mm-hmm. I think you know it'd be wonderful to create that type of space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. That would that would take a lot of um that would take a facilitator 
the facilitator who would run or facilitate that class that would take a lot of uh sensitivity because when you're working i think in that space with that age Mm -hmm. it's hard to let go of like age Mm -hmm. and like power dynamics i think and like role playing when you have like a nine-year-old and a 50-year-old i mean it'd be incredibly interesting but the language to support that kind of space would be really have to be well thought out i think especially like in a culture where there's like so much separation between like ages it's not like we have these communities where there's this kind of interaction on a regular basis absolutely yeah not at all mm-hmm. what are some That's of like the, what, what are some of like the 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 differences like what are like when you when you when you work with kids because i also like have the opportunity to like t- like I used to do this play class at the JCC for like six years. So mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time like doing stuff with kids. What are some of the things that you look at when you're like, oh, like this is a very big difference between like working with like younger people and and, and grown people? I think younger trained dancers have a really hard time letting go their need to please mm. or to do things right quote unquote mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they have a they have a hard time kind of shaving away their performance affectation that they hold on to so tightly as like their way of feeling like a good dancer mm-hmm. when i have um older people come into my class there's you don't have any of that they're there because they love to move they don't care you know they're coming to uh fully let go Mm -hmm. i think some of my most interesting classes have been where i've had people's older age in there Mm -hmm. what so coming up through dance didn't you do you relate then to the kids in that way is that something you kind of like dealt with as well well i started dancing really late i started Mm -hmm. dancing i started training in dance when i was like 13 Mm -hmm. which is really late for a young girl trying to be a contemporary ballet dancer mm-hmm. um so i didn't have that as as much i didn't have that experience growing up in the studio i i really started very late and my mom was my coach and my dance teacher because she was a really incredible ballet teacher in the community so i dedicated like from 13 to 19 I was like fully dedicated to training in classical ballet and classical modern. And then I just busted out of it. I don't know. There was like, there was a moment where I was like, I'm unhappy. I don't, I don't, and I'm bored. I remember just being so bored. Like, why am I doing this? What is this? Like, great, you know, maybe because, Yeah, so I started I started with improvisation in like my early twenties and I just fell into this like love of curiosity and I think the curiosity spilled over into every single aspect of my life. You know, it wasn't just movement, it just became something well, things in my life had sparked this deep curiosity for more. Mm-hmm. And that 
manifested in my body and it really changed the whole trajectory of my entire dance career wow like entire career change I went from really wanting to be a certain type of dancer to creating work choreographing storytelling through movement playing like vulgarity in my movement working with a lot of improvisation on film uh, I just Yeah, it was uh, improvisation was definitely um, unlocked a lot of things for me. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. so what, like, uh, do you, do you have like certain things that were like the catalyst then for that? Like, was there, was there, was there some sort of like the, something about the structure of like different forms of classical dance that were just like, oh, like you can't do it. I just it. never felt good enough. There was always this, like, you know, when you deal with a type A personality in the performing arts, which most of us are, I mean, to be honest, you have to be some type of perfectionist to, to have grueling hours of training like we do. I just, there was a point where I was like, I'm never going to be happy doing this. <laughs> I'm never going to feel fulfilled. You know, um, that deep understanding as like approaching my mid-twenties on top of really wanting to express myself and the complexity of my emotions rather than I felt like I was most of the time a puppet as a dancer for choreographers and choreography that felt very uninteresting to me so I just I really it was a combination of feeling disinterested frustrated and unhappy knowing that I could never reach the goals that I wanted physically as a dancer I think starting so late and you know how I was viewing my body it just it all felt very trapped I felt very trapped Mm -hmm. um so you know I had certain teachers that really inspired me and collaborators I started working with um one of my good friends Philip Lopez actually who is an incredible film director um and working with him on film really unlocked so many parts of myself like the playfulness that him and I had in our collaborations gave me so much confidence in myself as like a different kind of performer like wow I have so much more to share than my perfect lines or getting casted in this piece or you know getting hired at this job like I have something different that I can play with here you know mm -hmm. and that I can investigate um yeah and it just was like whoop, I literally took a hard right turn wow uh-huh. I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to explore my imagination. <laughs> my when imagination the, it, it, with movement. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah. And, 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 and I don't know, like it should be, I don't know. Life is so complex. Like the exist, yeah. like existence is so complex that like, yeah. shouldn't the stories be really complex? Like, or shouldn't there be like a comp or a deep yeah. range of, of like where you can go in terms of the complexity? Like, 
Yeah, I mean, one would hope. I mean, one would think I, you know, I found myself in a career that felt kind of vapid. It's like, what am I doing? I'm literally prancing around. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling anything mm-hmm. while I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the person who's making this is feeling anything. What am I actually sharing? And, you know, to be fair, there have been certain choreographers that I have absolutely um, admired and loved working with. It was just, that was the, that rarely happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, I can count that on one hand out of the many, many people that I worked with. Um, yeah. And, you know, just, you know, you talk about like dancing with life and improvising. I mean, I really, doors were closing and others were opening. And instead of fighting my ego, because a lot of, I had to let go of my ego a lot in order to choose a more creative route, actually, for me. And that's not everybody's process. But for me, my ego wanted to make it as a dancer in a big company. I wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to do so many things, you know, but I had to let go of my ego and I had to listen to opportunities that were coming. I had to, I had to listen to my own creative desires, my imagination. I had to listen to the people around me, to the opportunities that were coming my way that were leading me, you know, it was leading me to a place. So I chose to be led rather than resist, resist. And I'm extremely happy that I did, you know? It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. really hard at the time. It was really hard at the time. It was so hard. But I had to listen. I had to really deeply listen. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna lob something out there and you don't have to have any comment on it. But yeah. I'm curious Yeah. because it was like one of my favorite conversations I got to have here for the podcast with this guy, Stephen Jenkinson, who's like a writer that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. He's more than a writer. He's so many things. But we started talking about creativity mm. and I, th- I used the term creative expression and he challenged it. And he just mm. said, you know, I'm not so interested in creative expression because that's very mm. individualist. Mm. And he said, I'm interested in creativity and artistry as a citizen, as opposed mm. to an individual. And I want to like mm. throw that out there to you only because like, you know, hearing you kind of like talk about your story and I don't know if there's like anything about that, that kind of like resonates. Yeah. I mean, I think that deeply resonates because I don't believe in the individual necessarily as a creator, because we always have others, others, other objects, other things, like other people, you know, mm. um, I don't feel like anything that I have created, I've created alone mm-hmm. at all. Right. Everything has been a collaboration. Or, whether f- it be, or, or, or just for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing has been, just to be clear, nothing has been just for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And nothing has been done by myself. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I, at all. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. I I um, have no doubts about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I always yeah. I mean, whether it be the music you choose, whether it be the you know, I, I look at my my very close friends 
especially women in my life, as constant collaborators. Because everything that I share with them that comes from my internal space, all of our conversations is a collaboration for what's created. Mm-hmm. You know, it can even go that far. You know, every loving relationship, every intimate person that you come across, if that becomes a part of you, then in a sense, whenever you're creating something, it becomes a part of the thing created. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. It's a lot more fun that way. Like the more collaboration, I think, the better. Mm-hmm. I think about right. the, you know, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, even you know, so much of my work, I, I have a a very close friend that I have worked intimately with since 2015, and she's been my sounding board, the body that I use, the mind that I collaborate with. Like, there's been so much collaboration I would say hey try this and try this and try that how does that feel we would take notes we would talk about it her name's Elise Russell and she's like been my right hand creative partner throughout all of this and so although it comes from my imagination this it's made through others I think that's the difference like it may come from my imagination still in collaboration with life and mm-hmm. everything and everything that touches my life. Um, but it's made with others so deeply, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I, sacred. Those relationships are incredibly sacred. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I think about, you know, this idea of like collaboration, which takes like a, uh, it takes humility, right? Yeah. To, to, to collaborate. And Absolutely. I, I, again, like I'm, I don't know, I've never been to dance school. Um, and I barely remember theater school because it was so long ago, <laughs> but I think about the way people kind of like navigate life and, you know, yeah. I don't feel like I cross paths with a lot of like humility yeah. and, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I would love to, I would love to see more of that. Oh, me too. Me too. It's hard. I don't see a lot of it either. Um, It's there. And I've I've been so blessed to attract those types of people in my life. So, so grateful. Um, I think it's a a cultural change. It's a change that needs to happen, you know, Mm -hmm. culturally. Uh, Yeah a lot of ego there's a lot of like needing to have the recognition like I did this I did that I did this you know Mm -hmm. but again I wonder if this is an institutional problem I wonder if it comes because so many artists are not taken care of or taken seriously or supported Mm -hmm. so you know that unfortunately breeds this this type of um false need to like claim and and to uh be in the ego i we we because we're again like artistry is storytelling right mm-hmm. and i've this is my own decision i don't know i think yeah. all art is, all art is some form of like storytelling 
right? Yeah, yeah. And I brought this up before. And again, uh, I'm happy to hear like your thoughts because it, I, yeah. we don't, we don't, for some reason, we don't give, we don't give art like the, um, the value that it deserves, right? Right now yeah. in this time. And at other times we did. And I'm like, well, what, what was that, you know? And I realized that I believe that storytelling, so art, but storytelling yeah. exists for us to like reconcile consciousness, right? Like we're beings that have consciousness, like more so than anything other creature to reconcile consciousness with the complexities of existence and the universe, right? Yeah. And somehow we've decided that like, we have all the knowledge about mm. like existence and that we know the things and we can organize it and that we've got it figured out. Mm. So we're almost yeah. like, we don't, we don't need art anymore. Like we don't need the stories in the same way to help us like deal with like the fact that we don't actually know. And yeah. I stand by the fact that we still don't know, like everything yeah. is, is crazy. And, and, and yeah. I think the more storytelling we had, the more that people could navigate life a little more, I don't know, people could navigate life with a, a, a little more compassion for the fact that everybody is, is not knowing and that we have these kind of like things that help us like reconcile with it in some way. I think the problem is that people are very uncomfortable with not knowing. And I think that's the first change that has to happen. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> I was about to like snap my fingers for it. I was like, oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I see that all the time. And I think there's, I think maybe people in society pushes away that because it feels very unsafe. Mm -hmm. um, again, a, a big cultural issue. Uh, and it's like a spiritual disease, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like somehow the spirit has been diseased. Yeah. And, and, and the way to fix it <laughs> is by doing practices like this or to give in to the unknown, to be more curious. To, to everything that you're saying right now, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's so diseased that people continue to push it away. Right. And then, and then also decide that only some people are worthy to be the, of being the storytellers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. As opposed that's to so, being that's like- That's always very sad to me. Right. And that's, that's, always, why, yeah, that's, that's, that's why like I'm, I've grown to like love the idea of like the cipher and I've gotten to talk to a friend of mine yeah. who like told, you know, she, she's so educated in dance. I actually should put the two of you in touch. Um, mm -hmm. Her name's Leah Woods, shout out, huge fan. One of my favorite people. Yeah. Um, but she was telling <laughs> me about the cipher and like, it's this place where it's like, everybody gets to be a part of the story. It's not yeah. just like people sitting in an audience facing one group. And there are only these certain people who are chosen to be like enough to like, do yeah, the thing totally. or it's like the ciphers like everybody everybody's enough yeah if you want it yes there's also a way to take that cipher into other ways of disrupting like the normal class setting mm. you know like taking that like because i totally agree with that 
-hmm. And it's this like, it's this place of like, it's okay to be watched, to be witnessed. I don't like Mm -hmm. watch, but like to witness, to observe one another. And for Mm -hmm. everyone to have an opportunity to do that is really important, you know, Um, not even for what we're learning or sharing, but that act of openness, Mm -hmm. that act of just being seen, you know, I think is really important. A lot of people don't feel seen. Right. And, and then, and when they don't feel seen, they don't feel like they deserve to be seen. Absolutely. And don't feel like that their like stories matter, right? That Absolutely. only the people who are like what society is deemed like the, the good storytellers deserve to tell their stories. Yeah. Or, or the like people who are courageous enough, you know, right. and courage comes from a lot of things. You know what I mean? Like there's so many valid stories since we're calling this stories you know there's so many valid stories to be shared that people don't have the practices of sharing them that's all they haven't had the practice they haven't had the safe space they're providing those spaces I think something with the cipher that I think I've had problems with this not problems with the cipher some I think things that could be let me, let me find the wording for this. Mm. It still takes a level of confidence to go inside of a cipher. It right. still takes that like, I want to be seen or I can be seen or I feel comfortable to be seen. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes like to challenge that within my own class structure. Like mm. how can we make sure that everyone is being seen without having to choose to be seen? Mm. There's something about that. So, that how, so, 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 what do you propose? Has like a what? Oh. What is something that you a way you play with that? I mean, sometimes I take the time to really go like one at a time, mm. or I give a score that ensures that every person will be seen by at least one person, mm-hmm. and then that alternates throughout the class. So that that one person is seen by everyone, but maybe one at a time. Mm-hmm. So like playing with that a little bit, because I know as a person who struggled with that, feeling like I'm not sure if I want to be seen, mm-hmm. but wanting to be seen, like maybe what if we just take that out? What if we take the option out of wanting to be seen and just make sure that everybody is seen? Mm-hmm. Because then it almost like, takes away that power and with that power takes away that kind of nervousness of being seen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so then it's happening to everyone the same exact way right because we're also everybody's arriving at least in these classes coming through a culture where like this is novel exactly it's not like they came up in a place where like these things were happening and like everybody was kind of celebrated Totally. It's like almost taking the novelty away from it. So it actually becomes a normalized way of practicing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've been playing with. It's also, it's also difficult in like these educational settings where like there's some sort of like end goal of like, oh, at the end of this, you'll have something or you'll be something yeah. or you'll have a name tag or something. Because what I think happens, and this is something that I, I, make an effort to challenge is this idea that like 
you, you know, people go to a class and they're going there to like be something someday yeah. as opposed to being like, let's, let's, let's celebrate what we are today. Yeah. And even if that's sometimes the teacher's intentions, it can still be like, oh, well, if you work really hard, there's going to be this thing down the road. And then, you know, mm-hmm. someday you'll mm-hmm. have this. And then people get caught up on all the things that, that didn't happen in the past that would have mm-hmm. like gotten them that thing today. And mm-hmm. I'm all about getting whatever they could be skills or whatever and mm-hmm. progressing mm-hmm. and whatever. But sometimes, oftentimes, we forget that we should also be like celebrating exactly what's happening right now. And yeah, like how absolutely. great everybody is in this moment. And I think about like the classes that I've loved the most. And I'm like, what was it that I loved? Mm-hmm. And it's simply that, I think. It's mm-hmm. just like, yo, you're mm-hmm. awesome. I'm awesome. What we just yeah. did here was awesome. In this space, in this time, it was amazing. Yeah. Like we are, yeah. we are amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's the power of being in the now also, which, you know, it's so important. Like, yeah, you're not going to this class to get a job. I mean, I can't tell you how many times like people go to class or I, I don't want to say people, I went to class because I'm like, I want to take this class because I want to get a job. Mm-hmm. I want this person to hire me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and to me, that's just a huge, huge block on your creativity, on your self-exploration. It's just mm-hmm. like suffocating. Yeah suffocating when and, and you know you you listen to al mog's podcast yeah and, and oh i always i always come back to what he says oh. and i and, and i've begun to like i cried use... i told you i cried <laughs> yeah. listening to that yeah. <laughs> i was like yes I, this? I need to i need to meet this person exactly i, I, <laughs> I still stand by i i say it in my own workshops now but like what what does it look like when people stop feeling like they're going to be enough someday and feel like they're enough right now. Yeah. You know? And like, I think that in like a lot of these structures, there's a lot of like this, like someday. Yeah. But I mean, and even what that idea does to the body, how that transforms the body in the moment is remarkable. Mm -hmm. The knowing of that, the living in that. Mm-hmm. But I am enough right now, no matter what I do right now, the body listens mm-hmm. to all of the words we tell it, to mm-hmm. all of the things we feel about ourselves. It listens so carefully. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Do you, do you read or, or listen to anything about like trauma? Yeah. <laughs> who, 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 who do you listen to? What do you, what do you read? Well, what do you read? I mean, or what have you read? I haven't read enough. I mean, I read The Body Keeps the Score, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I read like One Spirit Medicine, which talks about like autoimmune diseases with uh, in conjunction to stress and things like that. Like how people live in the Amazon versus how people live in the U.S. per se and what that does to our physical Mm -hmm. space I've also worked with myself personally with therapists who talk a lot about this I've had a lot I come from a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and I use my own body to heal a lot of that trauma within my community 
I've also worked a lot with women closely who have a lot of trauma who use their body. So a lot of it is like self-practice and community practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked a little bit with like core energetics, which is also like a type of therapy that uses physical uh, exertion as a means to push out things in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of self-experimentation and documenting. Um, and I bring a lot of that into my movement practice. I mean, it is a movement practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't, again, you need to give me your list of yeah. all your books. Well, no, well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm only bringing up, I, you know, it's something I, I've grown to think about more and more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as, you know, someone like you, who's like so thoughtful about like how you want to like, I don't know, approach a space and approach people like when you're presenting or teaching, like, I don't know, it just made me think it was something that was on your radar. And I, maybe it's like yeah. buzz, buzz, like a, like a buzz term to say like trauma informed. Um, but I, but I wonder yeah. like, you know, with that kind of ed- thoughtfulness behind like what you're doing, like how some sort of like trauma understanding has like yeah. influenced your approach to like presenting or sharing or facilitating yeah absolutely I mean I think it's helpful when you're working with a large group of people that it has been helpful that I have a lot of experience with trauma Mm -hmm. (laughs) not only witnessing but also uh my experiences Mm -hmm. um both physical and psychological Mm -hmm. um because they're all types of trauma um and I also think it's helpful my upbringing you know my upbringing was so um complex like I come from two very different cultures I'm first generation so I think coming into the space you know with that experience of growing up Muslim but having an atheist mom you know like coming from such a diverse background I think is helpful when working with a wide variety of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's always necessary. I think they're incredible facilitators who don't necessarily have that experience, but I think it is helpful for me particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I really think about with my language. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm really lucky again, that I have so many female collaborators in my life who also help me with that when, because we, I am an always an open discussion with my collaborators. Like, what do you think about this language? What do you think about this? I, you know, explore a lot of things in the studio and smaller groups before taking them into bigger groups. And they offer me a lot of wisdom. There are things that I overlook even that I have, you know, my collaborators be like, what do you think about this? What do you think if somebody doesn't want to be led this way? Is there room for them to redirect? Is that a language that we're talking about? You know, so, you know, how do we have always personal agency even within a classroom within a space and working with others you know are there what if someone doesn't want to do it what if someone's feeling uncomfortable so we have a lot of these you know conversations which is helpful and it's also a practice for me because each group is going to have a different dynamic mm-hmm. you know and what do I do when I see someone is feeling utterly uncomfortable how do I speak to this person do I come up to them do I stop the class you know all of it is like also intuitive work you know how 
intuitively what is this person's energy telling me and what does this person need Mm. each need is going to be different each person is going to need something different within that space Mm -hmm. you know so i i try to take the, the time to really consider that and i try i work really hard on clearing my energy and letting all of my shit go before coming into a space so that it's really about the people that are in the space each time mm-hmm. you know so yeah. compassion is a uh, is a really challenging thing i think to develop and foster in in our world very right? Because it asks for a lot of observing and listening. And it also asks for a lot of experiential knowledge. And the more isolated people become, it's hard to imagine people developing tools for compassion without like being with people. Absolutely. Right? All kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Like a varying type of person. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah yeah it's, it's a sensitive space and it's a space that needs a lot of care mm-hmm. people need a lot of care a lot more than um i think we all need a lot more care than we receive mm-hmm. generally in most of our lives mm-hmm. So I, it's really important for me when I'm facilitating these spaces that people feel cared for. Yeah. First and foremost, because I don't think, I don't think a person can authentically explore themselves without that care. Or hold space for others without that care mm-hmm. but it's a really powerful thing when when everyone can do that for themselves and together at the same time that's i think where the magic is mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, i think i think that's why there's something so amazing about like places that 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 force nervous systems to like interact with each other mm-hmm. right you know I see it in dance. Yeah. I feel I feel it in jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. these places where it's like, like all this like nonverbal communication happening. Yeah. And like, I don't know, there's something there that's like closely mm-hmm. related to like feelings of compassion, right? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... goes so deep you know feelings of compassion touches of compassion you know like you know just care just everyone needs more care mm-hmm. <laughs> truly <laughs> yeah you well know? i think that i think that's why i think that these things like uh you know like i watched gabor mate's documentary and and why, like, I don't know, 
even for the people who like to read or, or watch things like at least it's like a, it's 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 this like step in the realizing like like everybody's doing the best with the information that they have mm. and like you know starting there and kind mm. of like building towards like that 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 space of being able to like care for one another because i i, I think people well, struggle i think what's interesting is like we think that if the environment is harsh and if the standard is so high and then if there's competition, then we're somehow going to get the best out of people. You know, we're going to, we're going to like win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're going to get the prize. We're going to like that somehow anger is how we're taught to, to um, propel our, our, our best. Trying to find the word. God, sometimes I get lost in my own mind, and then my brain goes boop. It <laughs> 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 just floats away. Mm. Okay, where am I? Oh my god, I just daydreamed in the middle of something so important. Um, <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is that I think we're taught that all of this competition and harshness and sternness is what's going to create the best product. Mm -hmm. I really challenge that. I really think it's care. I really think that, that and that does not have to be soft, you know? I'm not a, it, it does not have to be uh, laissez-faire. Mm -hmm. Care is different. Care, you can still lead with care. You can still be clear with care. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, it's like yeah. braiding sweetgrass, mm -hmm. which I will re I will remind you is sitting like right to your left. I know. But you know, it's know. like you know they would like like the the those people like loved the sweetgrass. They loved it, mm -hmm. right? They really like loved for it and cared mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. So like when they would take the sweetgrass, right? They would like thank it, right? And they mm. would leave tobacco as a gift in return, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And they would take only as much as they need, right? Because they were like, oh, well, this is our collaboration, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not me winning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in return, mm. the sweet grass flourished mm -hmm. more where mm -hmm. they did this like dance together yeah absolutely. Right? it was like mutual love yeah i mean this this world and our experience as humans is so much richer when we have people to share it with in my opinion it just is you know like yeah so what I always feel like the teachers that I begin to cross paths with who like are, are doing the things that I think are really beautiful and, and worth sharing. I, and this is maybe just what I have started thinking about what, with what I want to do, not to say that what I'm doing is beautiful and worth sharing, but I think it's, it it's is. important. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I believe that 
it's people who end up having a message and they have a North star and the content doesn't really matter. They kind of just keep their eyes on like the message. Um, and you don't have to have one, but I'm curious if you feel like there's like, there is like a message that like you kind of like kind of navigate your spaces with. Hmm. a hard one I think I think there's several several messages I think let me think Oh, there's so much to say. Um, mm. And maybe nothing to say at all. I'm not sure. It may not have to be said because I feel like maybe you've already said it through while we've while we've chatted here, because you know, we haven't we, we 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 haven't talked about forms or content or anything. In some ways, it's uh we've actually yeah. just kind of talked about that. Yeah. But it's still a nice challenge to try to mm -hmm. say it, mm -hmm. formulate it in words. Maybe it's not a message. I just think the place that I'm leading from for mm -hmm. myself in my own practice for myself and with others. Mm -hmm. I think I'm in a place in my life where I unapolog unapologetically want to investigate. And when I work with others, I. I want kindness to be in the forefront of everything. Hmm. I'm not interested in what's necessarily made, but rather the richness of the process. And process being everything that accumulates in my life. Everything is a part of that process. Every conversation, every person I meet along my path throughout the day, all of that informs what's happening in the studio, what's happening in my creativity. It all is connected. And I think, yeah, being unapologetically investigating and leading everything with kindness. Can I distill it down? Could, could I distill it down to curiosity yeah. and kindness? Yes. <laughs> I like I like alliterations yes. too. Yes, curiosity and kindness. Mm -hmm. Curiosity and kindness. I know my my words sometimes oh, it, that's what happens when you grow up with parents you don't speak good English. It's like sometimes I'm like, do I even speak English? I don't even know. <laughs> it's like so wordy and like, oh, talking is so hard for me sometimes. Um, yeah, curiosity and kindness. Yeah, definitely. I love it. This is this is why I feel like when we met, we were like, I feel like I don't know if you felt it, but when we met, I was like, I feel like we like know each other. Yes. There was like this like, Absolutely. oh, like I feel like we like we've never met, but I'm like, I feel like we've had a lot of conversations. 
Yeah, even our improv. I was like, yes, this is so easy. This is great. Yeah, yeah. Somehow it was like, oh, this is a kindred spirit. You like, you never, yeah. you know, you know, like it's so funny when you like when it happens and you don't realize you're about to cross paths with someone like yeah. that. You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, there you are. Oh, I've been waiting yeah. for you. Yes, I I definitely feel the same way. And I mean, it was just a wonderful time spent moving and conversing and just, I mean, the things we love to do, you know? Yeah. It was just, it's, it's really nice when that happens. It's yeah. Really nice. If people, yeah. if people want to connect with you, what's yeah. the best way? Instagram is actually quite the easiest way to contact me because it's primarily my work page. I have all of my choreography up there. I advertise my classes up there. Um, and that's just at Roya Carreras. And yeah, you can find me there. Are you, are you, are you, do you have any classes that you're going to be offering? Yeah, I'm teaching um, a concept and movement class every Wednesday from 1 to 2.30 at Perry Dance in mm -hmm. New York City. Um, I'm going to be teaching it for three more weeks, and then I'm going to have a winter workshop that I'm not sure the date to be determined, but you can find me there. 